Welcome to The Entertainment Entrepreneur, the podcast for actors, writers, producers, and really anyone working in the entertainment industry with a passion for entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Monica Hammond, a serial entrepreneur in the entertainment industry. Join me as I sit down with Broadway stars, Hollywood favorites, and industry changemakers to chat about their own journeys launching, running, pivoting, and scaling their businesses. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Elatir. I'm a writer, director, independent filmmaker, and I'm the uh, founder and owner of the Independent Film School. Ella, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm really, um, I'm excited to talk to you. I think you have a really unique uh, perspective for people listening to the podcast today. You um, talk to me first. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you know, your background as a filmmaker. I have attended many of your webinars, and obviously, I, I've worked with you for quite a while now. But for people who aren't familiar with you, talk to me about your background. How did you get started in filmmaking, and how did that lead you to creating the Independent Film School? I became a filmmaker when I was three years old and I saw Mary Poppins. And then seeing a movie was a very big deal. This was Israel in the 70s. Um, you know, we had one movie show on TV in black and white once a week that was for adults. Um, and there was no movie theater in the town I grew up in. It was like an occasion. You got dressed up. We got on the bus. We went to another town. We would look forward to it. It was like Christmas. And we'd go to the theater. And um, so I remember seeing Mary Poppins and I remember seeing Superman. And I was like, wow, this is, I have to do that. <laughs> I have to make movies. And that's never left me alone. It's never left me alone. And in the second grade, I got up during recess one day and I said, I'm doing a play. If anyone wants to audition, we'll be in the playground. And uh, kids showed up and uh, I cast everybody who showed up. And we created this incredible play. Um, it was actually a, a musical theater. <laughs> it was based on a story my mom used to tell me. And um, honestly, I, I attribute my entrepreneurial zing to the fact that I grew up without money and I played out on the street all day with kids. And we didn't have after school activities and we didn't have a theater program and um, we had to invent all of it, you know? So I heard about, you know, drama clubs. And so I just kind of created one as a, as a six-year-old, as a seven-year-old. Anyway, a lot of that innovation and creativity that I had to rely on. I mean, literally Monica, I would like dig out empty cigarette cartons from the garbage and build cities with it. This is how I grew up. I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, a lot of it kind of got tamped down when I did go to the fancy film school and lost my confidence and tried to be somebody I'm not and tried to be like other people, you know, like what you're supposed to be like in this industry. And I feel like my, I really took off and flourished when I was able to remove all of that and connect with who I really am, which is the kid who played out on the street. Once I was able to bring the spirit of that into my work, it just took off. So to me, building a film school has been the same. It, it comes with the same uh, mentality or approach or spunk that I used when I would just get a bunch of kids together out on the street and we put a play together. 
what inspired you? So you were a filmmaker. Um, I know that you, after you attended film school, I think there was a gap um, for a while there. Um, and then you got back into filmmaking. When did you decide to go from filmmaker to someone who teaches about this? What was that transition? <laughs> that was by accident. Um, I couldn't find a job. <laughs> and I, uh, I interviewed for a dog walking job. I didn't get that either. And at the time, this was 2006, I was um, a part of a, a few different writing groups um, and also a writing class. And I just had a knack for working with writers. And so every time I would join a writing group, I would notice that all the writers kept coming to me for input and help. And um, at some point I was sitting in a screenwriting class and I thought, oh gosh, if I was teaching this class, people would get so much more <laughs> done. <laughs> and on a subway ride home one day, I was like, why don't I try it? And I really didn't think I could do it. I really didn't think so. I put word out um, and eight people showed up and signed up for a screenwriting course. And, and this was um, in-person days? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2006, January 17th, I taught my first screenwriting course. It was free. 20 people showed up, and of them, eight signed up. And, I mean, a year later, I had hundreds of students. It just took off completely. That's incredible. Was a lot of it from word of mouth? Students talked to other people? How did that go viral? Completely. <laughs> you know, I didn't know the first thing about marketing, like zero, and really until recently. In 2018 is when I moved the operation online and uh, began to market the work. But until then, you know, I would fill a workshop with like 20 people and I did that for 12 years. And so it was like very modest and I would, you know, I would make my 30, 40 K a, a year. And so I had like a living wage and it was, it was wonderful in it, but I wasn't really an entrepreneur. I wasn't building a business. I was just a teacher. And I'm kind of glad that I got to do that for a solid 12 years before turning it into a business because I've become so solid in what I teach as a teacher that, um, yeah, once I added learning how to market into the mix, it like blew up. I want to dive into that because it's something I, I respect so much about you and I'm so impressed. Anytime I see, you know, we work together on a sales page or a webinar, I'm always like, I'm actually taking notes from you as well. So I'm consistently impressed. Um, what, what prompted your shift to want to go into digital course making instead of just in-person life classes? After 12 years of it, honestly, I think the honest answer is that it stopped being challenging. I got bored from doing the same thing over, you know, year after year. And um, so I think that was an element. And another element was I had to kind of stop what I was doing and ask myself, are you a teacher or are you a filmmaker? Where is your, where is your focus going to be? And my promise to myself had always been to be a filmmaker. And so it felt like a huge risk. It scared the crap out of my husband when I told him I was going to stop teaching. <laughs> We were still not confident I would get a dog walking gig if I looked. There was no backup plan, but um, I had to try. I had to try. And I thought, you know, I keep giving the same lectures over and over. 
I got to figure out how to record what it is that I deliver and, um, and build something that at the time I didn't have the word, but now in hindsight, something I could scale and something I could automate. And so intuitively, I just knew it was time to do that if I wanted to be a filmmaker and free myself and also, frankly, be able to finance myself as a filmmaker. And that's why I went online. I love that. That's such a, a great reason to start a business, an online business specifically, to be able to fund your own projects. Talk to me about, <clears throat> so you were a filmmaker, that's your background, a teacher as well. How, where did you turn to find at, like how to create these courses and how to market these courses that you were creating? Did you search the internet? <laughs> where did you find this? Well, somebody I know uh, mentioned this woman who was teaching, uh, you know, how to create and sell online courses. She doesn't do it anymore, actually. But um, so I looked her up, got on her email list, and then she started to sell to me. And holy cow, I had never seen anything like it. I'm like getting an email every day. And I'm like, wow, the audacity. <laughs> the, the course cost uh, $1,000, just under, you know which at the time to me was like a huge amount of money. Now I'm like spending insane amounts of money on every kind of course and program under the sun. But at the time, $1,000 was crazy. And when I saw the offer, I told myself, I swore to myself, I will not buy it. I was like, make yourself a promise, Eli. You are not spending $1,000 on a course. Promise. And so I didn't enroll, I didn't enroll, I didn't enroll. And she kept sending emails like, time's running out, time's running out. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm not buying this course. And on the last day with like two hours left, I was at my parents' house, which is where I am right now. <laughs> and I mentioned it to my dad. I was like, there's this course. It costs $1,000. It's about how to create online courses. Uh, you know, I don't want to spend that. And my dad, bless his heart, <laughs> he said, isn't that what you want to be doing? And I said, yes. And he said, so learn how to do it. And I was so mad at her when I hit the enroll button. I was cursing her out. And I hit enroll. <laughs> and out of that $1,000 investment, I've actually just hit the uh, million-dollar threshold in sales. Talk about return on investment. <laughs> Congratulations. That's incredible. So I went through her course and implemented, implemented every nook and cranny. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, talk to me about how you define success as an entrepreneur. Mm. And if that's different than maybe how you define it as an artist as well. Mm. Interesting. Not a question I thought of. How would I define a successful entrepreneur? I have two answers to it. The official answer, which is, and I think ought to be everybody's answer really, is like, are you churning a profit? Right? That's what you're here to do. And um, and I should mention, and I fell into that trap initially, it's very easy to spend as much as you make and to not actually be profitable. And there are businesses that generate millions of dollars in revenue a year and the owner's broke and in debt. So um, <clears throat> I did. I had to do a lot of studying up to figure out how to actually be profitable. Um, cause as the kid who grew up on the street, I'm like, you know, I, <laughs> I can't hold on to money. <laughs> um, so I think that is the definition and part and, and 
um, is the business actually freeing you to do what you want to be doing? Or is it a golden handcuff where you're working, you know, 20 hours a day every day? So <clears throat> I think when you first start out, it is very demanding. There's no getting around it. But you do need, you do want to establish it as a goal that you're building a business that you can, that can free you and not enslave you. And that's also a very, very common trap. Um, and so I invested money in programs to teach me how to be profitable and, and um, how to build a team that is autonomous and that can actually free me. Um, and right now I'm in the process of training and certifying a whole cadre of coaches who are going to work with my students so that, um, I can offer more and more and do less and less. So those are the two kind of official metrics, but I would re remiss not to add that the real bottom line is, are you enjoying the work? And I would not have built a, a successful business if it wasn't just fun as hell, so fun, so fun. It's been a lot of work. When I first started, if anyone had told me how much work it was going to be, I wouldn't have done it, right? So I'm glad nobody told me. <laughs> it, is, it was a lot of work, but um, I, I did it because it was so much fun, just so much fun. Every part of it from A to Z. I love choosing fonts. I love learning <laughs> how to automate something. I love, learning, I love learning how to market, which I never thought I would enjoy. Um, I love making ads and I love serving my students. I love every part of it. That's, that's what makes me successful. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I'm in a similar boat and I think we're, we're similar like this as entrepreneurs where we love so many parts of this that we can often do things that we probably shouldn't even be doing, which is why I love you were saying that you're, you're trying to grow your business so that you can scale yourself, not out of the business, but to a higher level where you maybe you don't have to proofread every email and, you know, do the, the things that someone else could do. I think that's so smart. I actually do plan to scale myself out of it, just so you know. Yeah, I, I, I realized as I honed down my, my vision for the business that what I'm building here is not really about me. Um, and the way that I'm serving can continue even after I'm gone. So I'm building the kind of business that will continue to serve artists in a similar way, even when I'm not around, whether it's because I left, the, you know, working on the business or I croak. It's going to continue on. Yeah. Let's hope it's the first one. Yeah, no, that's actually an interesting point. I know when talking to people who want to create courses and programs for themselves, trying to decide on the branding of it, is it going to be you as the course creator, you know, would it be monicahammond.com who teaches about whatever, or is it like what you did, the independent film school, which means that there's more possibility to remove yourself. If it was a latir film school, it'd be so much harder to, to pull yourself out of that eventually. So I think it was smart what you did. Yeah, that wasn't so thought out. And I am very much the face of it. And, you know, I, it is a personal brand, but um, but I'm segueing slowly out of that. Yeah. Very good. Well, what advice would you give an artist, a filmmaker, um, 
an artist of any, really any type who is thinking about taking the leap and starting their own business? I think you have to be honest about um, what's your model here? Like, is it a side hustle to pay your bills that will free you to do your artwork? Um, and that's what I did for 12 years. And it was wonderful. You know, I taught one weekend workshop once a month. I had one class that I would teach once a week. And that's all the time it took up. There, was, there, there wasn't really any administrative work. I did no marketing. I wasn't scaling. And so it really was a side hustle that paid the bills. And it was very satisfying. And I loved it. Um, so are you, is it a side hustle? Or um, if you want to build a sizable business that, like in my case, was going to finance my work, it meant setting my filmmaking aside for four years. And so for four years, I had to work really, really hard to learn how to do it, to, to you know, go through a lot of trial and error, uh, to build out all the systems, to build out the offers, <clears throat> um, marketing material. It was a huge amount of work. It was like being in business school full time for four years. So now I'm reaping the rewards of all that hard work. And I missed my life as an artist for four years. Yeah, I think you have to ask, like, am I setting my artwork aside for a few for and for how long? And that's just what I'm going to do. And I'm going to focus on building a business because it's going to demand all of me. Or do I want to build something modest? It's just going to pay my bills and not take up my time so that I can continue. Yeah. So while you were running like the first 12 years of your business, when you were really teaching the live workshops, um, were you, would you say that you were more focused on your personal artistic craft and the projects that you were working on? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I created two feature films in that time and I don't know how many shorts and God knows how many scripts. Yeah. And I could do that because I had this like side gig basically that demanded very little of me. And I could always set it aside also and just say to my husband, I have no income for the next four months. I'm in production. Whereas the business that I have now, you know, I have a whole team working for me. I can't not pay them. Like this thing has to keep keep going with or without me. Um, it's a huge responsibility and it's, um, it just demanded more than full time for the last four years. And it's grown into a seven digit operation. So it serves a different purpose, but it required more. I, I don't know that I have a question necessarily, but I know in working with you, I, I've encouraged you over time to take bigger risks with specifically with your budget, you know, going a little bit back to the profit and what you're willing to invest in the business. Talk to me a little bit, if you can, about, about, about the risk in starting a business and trying to scale it and how you've sort of mentally overcome that to be able to make these significant investments. I'm a big risk taker in life, but not with money. With money, I'm, I'm very much girl. <laughs> <laughs> I invest as a girl. I'm very conservative. It scares me to invest financially. Um, and that was the reason that for the first three years in operation, I was in a real plateau as far as revenue goes. 
I just couldn't put the foot to the pedal and uh, and see what would happen. So you coaching me and, and emboldening me, is that the word? Sure. <laughs> yeah, <Sure>. emboldened <laughs> me to... Um, to go bigger was really the, the turning point. Um, and it was such a big turning point in so many ways because it's not just a revenue increase. It means, I mean, you know, really because of working with you and the, this year I tripled in size. Uh, but what I didn't realize when I, when that first started happening is that Tripling in size is not just more revenue and more money, but it also makes so much more possible in the business. Like the fact that I have a team now that is so competent and, and autonomous and talented, and I can put the, the so much of the work in their hands um, and eventually all of it. It, uh, it made it possible to create the kind of business that I was wanting it to be. And it just was not that until I, I took those risks and invested more. Um, and you were you were ready for it. I would say you already had such a good system. You had you, your quarterly launches. You have your webinars that were really fine-tuned and ready to go. And I think for anyone out there listening who's wondering, like, is it time to scale? At what point do I know if I'm ready? That's the point when you have everything um, really fine tuned and you know, it's working and then you just need to put some money behind it. That's right. And, and I had the ads were working. I had ads that were making money. And so why not invest more in those ads and make more money? And it's never linear, you know, and there are ups and downs and there are like things that feel like a crisis and like all of a sudden the iOS settings and now we can't reach my audience. And, you know, I just migrated to a new, uh, you know, CRM email service thingy. And all of a sudden the open rates went from 30% to 6% and I'm freaking out. Like these things are just, I'm starting, I've, I've finally been around long enough to know that these ups and downs are just part of the mm -hmm. picture. Uh, but overall, the big picture, it's, you know, it's on the up and up. Talk to me about what you're working on right now, artistically. Do you have anything in the works? Why, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I'm developing a series that's based on my last feature film. And because of this business, I have enough money to be able to reach out to casting directors and say, you know, I have X amount to, you know, shoot this, to develop that, to do a pay or play, to pay you. Um, and so I got this awesome casting director and I'm talking to our manager and being able to pay for it is just, it's a game changer. So whereas before I had more, uh, what do I want to say? When I was, when I was really strictly a teacher and not yet a business owner, it wasn't really a business yet. It was a, a job I created for myself, which was cool. Um, it wasn't generating the kind of money where I could do that kind of stuff. So I, you know, I was writing films for my friends. I was very much like super indie, indie, you know, crowdfunded films, that kind of thing. Yeah. So building this business is really the bedrock 
of taking the next step in my career as a filmmaker. Love that. If people want to find out more about you and the Independent Film School, where can they find more? Theindependentfilmschool.com. <laughs> That's easy peasy. <laughs> Well, I so appreciate you being here. You're such a success story. I love working with you. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this conversation. This podcast is produced by Mary Dina and supported by Abby Martin. If you'd like to hear more from entrepreneurs in the entertainment space, download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so more entrepreneurs like you can find these conversations. And if you're in the entertainment industry, follow me all year long on Instagram and Facebook at Big Leap Brands. Until next time.